C.K. Blaine. Um, we're going to get into our series today in Proverbs, uh, but before we do that, I want to pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time and this gathering of people, God. Thank you for all that you're doing in Blaine. Um, thank you for our new space downtown. Thank you for all the different ways that, that you're at work, and we pray that you'd be at work in our hearts today. Lord, as we open up your word to Proverbs, we talk about this idea of being prudent, what that means, why it's so important. I pray that you just uh, just open us up to you. And like Brian said, if we're coming in weary or, or if we're coming in, um, maybe we had a discouraging week. I pray that you would meet us there in that place of discouragement and encourage us, lift us up, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so we are, this is sort of the second to last, we're going to do kind of a closeout message on the beach uh, next week, but this is kind of the last in-house message from the, the book of Proverbs, and we've, this summer we've looked at all these different characters, these qualities of what it means to be a wise person. The book of Proverbs talks about being wise. It's God's gift of wisdom to us. God gives his children wisdom, and so wisdom is something we receive, and what Proverbs shows us is that there's all these different aspects of being a wise person. So we've talked about being diligent, we've talked about being just, we've talked about all these different things, and, and this, uh, this Sunday we come to a character that is talked about a lot in Proverbs, but it might not be one that we initially think of, and it's this word prudent uh, that we see in Proverbs that being prudent is core to being a wise person. It's, it isn't a word we, we use much in everyday conversation, maybe more in like a business setting, like I'm sorry we had to let you go, but it was the prudent thing to do, right? Like that, that's kind of where we hear that word prudent. So we might have a bad vibe, actually, when we, when we come to this word prudent. It might translate like, hey, we like you, but you're just not cutting it, so, so you're out. But, um, but that, or here's a, here's a prudent decision at home. Sorry, kids, you can't have a box of, of, of uh, ice cream sandwiches before bed. That's not a prudent decision, right? I don't know if you'd use that in a parenting context. Usually you're so tired you don't think of words like prudent in a parenting context. Um, but basically it's not a prudent decision because that's going to ultimately be bad for everyone, right? Like it might feel good in the moment to eat a box of ice cream sandwiches, but as your kids get ready for bed and in the next morning, you're going to see that it's not that good of a decision uh, to, uh, to eat all those ice cream sandwiches. So the word that pops up in Proverbs again and again, it's this Hebrew word for prudent. It's aram. And what it means is it means being crafty, shrewd, and sensible. You could also say, you could kind of sum all that up in being thoughtful. And again, this is talking about our decision-making, making wise choices, making wise decisions. And when it comes to decision-making and what we do with our life, God wants us to be particular. God wants us to choose the right path and what to do with our life. When it comes to the, what words we use, God wants us to be thoughtful of other people. When it comes to who we choose to confide in, who we choose to invest in, who we choose to have like our closest friendships with, God wants us to be thoughtful about that. So to be prudent, you can think of it as being discerning, being a discerning person, like making those good choices in like the whole of life. A prudent person is somebody who thinks about their life very carefully. They think about what they're spending their time on, their energy on, and their money on. 
they think about the people that they're investing in and their relationships, the quality of those relationships. Prudent is also this idea of being patient. It's not rushing in to respond when you feel wrong, but considering your path, considering what to do. So when you use terms like crafty, shrewd, and sensible, those usually aren't character traits we talk about um, for like just when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit or, or Christianity in general, and we might associate those to, again, like a, like a business person, like a shrewd business person. But we might wonder, how does that actually fit with my faith? See, Jesus talked about being shrewd often and, he, and making the most of what you've been given. In, in this parable in Luke 16, Jesus talks about being shrewd with your money is like being trustworthy with your money, being careful about 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 how you spend it and i've known people who've been very careful with their money when they give they ask a lot of questions of the people they give to um, and god's used these people to be a blessing to others and there are people that i look up to and i'm like man i hope someday i can be a blessing like that and i can give intentionally and thoughtfully my biggest issue is uh spending money on amazon you know like i just gotta i just gotta cut that off somehow but Try not to buy anything online before you go to bed. Don't make any purchases before you go to bed. I think it's just that simple, being prudent. But what I want to tell you today that is being a prudent person, this image of a prudent person that we have in Proverbs, it's a pathway towards greater freedom to be who God's created you to be. And it's freedom in the word focus. To be prudent is to focus on who God has made you to be and what God wants you to say, and what God wants you to do. It frees you up to the purpose that God has called you to. We talked a little bit about money, but there's another resource that we all have every day, and it's called energy. We all wake up in the morning. A Christian counselor told me one time, it's like, we all wake up in the morning with a bag of quarters in our hand. And it's like, every morning we're given this bag of quarters, and and we said, hey, this is the energy that you have for today. Like, spend it wisely. And so if we take that bag of quarters and we take that to work or, or we take that to whatever and we spend 90% of it, how much are we going to have left over for, like, the core relationships in our life when we get home? Not much, right? The point was, when, after you spend your quarters, you're done for the day. Like, you just don't have any more energy till you go to sleep and get up the next day. And so this idea of being prudent is spending that energy wisely. I don't want to spend all my energy at work. Why? Because I want to be present when I get home, right? I don't want to spend all my energy, um, I don't want to spend all my energy like working on the house because then I won't have any time for my kids or the core relationships in my life. It's this freedom of focus. In the same way, if you don't spend that energy or if you you know, if, if uh, you just kind of kick around all day, you, you get to the end of the day and you feel restless, right? Like, what did I do with my day? What did I do? So it, prudence is, is spending, uh, spending the amount of energy and time and money really, really particularly, really, really wisely um, each, each day. Because once it's gone, it's gone. So realizing that, maybe you wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, I've got I, I, you've got my attention this morning. I'm going to spend my fir the first quarters of my day on you and connecting with you, 
Because I know, like, if I go through my day and it's difficult, I'm not going to have that much to spend at the end of my day. I'm just going to be tired. I'm just going to be ready to check out. So it's, it's being shrewd with your time and energy. It's precious. It's realizing we're limited. We have limits. We have a limited amount of time. And it will save you from, from coming home crashed out tired or, or to the point where you can't be present with your family. It will help you be a better friend, a better spouse, and a better parent, and a better follower of Christ. So high on this list of wise characters in Proverbs is this character uh, called the prudent, the prudent man or woman. And, and so this first point, which I mentioned earlier, is the call to be prudent is core to being a wise person. Like it is kind of hand in hand. And so we're going to even look at this, look at what it says in Proverbs 8.13. It says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. So you see how these are interlinked, like this idea of being wise and being prudent. It's like it's interlinked. It's so close. And it's the idea of having both knowledge, like knowing the things you need to know, and discretion, and being wise about how you use that knowledge in everyday life, using your time and energy wisely, using your words wisely. Let's look at more verses in Proverbs. We're going to look at a few different verses in Proverbs where it talks about being prudent. Proverbs 12, 8 says, A person is praised according to their prudence, but a one, one with a warped mind is despised. So this idea of making the right decision for everybody, it, it brings honor. But if you have a warped mind, if you're trying to manipulate, if you have some kind of selfish scheme, that brings dishonor. Let's go to Proverbs 12, 23. It says, I'll let you guys get there. You got your Bibles open, some of you awesome. So um, on the screen or in your Bible, it says 12, 23. It says, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. This is an interesting one. Keep knowledge to yourself. So when I was first starting out in seminary and Bible college, um, my first term, I went to my, like, my first couple classes, and they blew me away. It's like, wow. We were talking about the love of God. My professor was like one of those guys who'd like bang his fists on the table. We just went deep. And I'm 24 years old, and it just left this huge impression on me. And so I'm just like in this zone where I just feel like I'm, oh, man, this is amazing. And so... I got invited to go to this Bible study ran by an older man in our church. And I remember I showed up with all this stuff, and I just came in guns a-blazing. I wanted everybody to know this stuff that I had just learned. I wanted everybody to be blown away like, like me. And so that meant when people tried to share something, I was like steamrolling them. I was correcting people. Uh, I, and they didn't want to hear what I had to say. I was shocked. I, but the point was, I was just trying to say everything I was learning and how excited I was. And, and if there was anything said that, that was like maybe a, 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 that would rub against that, I was quick to correct. It was not the right approach to sharing. I thought I knew all this stuff. And, and surprisingly, people kind of resisted that. People resist when you think you know everything, right? When you come in, you're like, oh, man, this is it. This is the key to life right here. Right? It's like, okay, slow down a little bit. Slow down. That's a lot. That's a lot what you just said. 
It made me think of the verse in 1 Corinthians, a whole passage on love, when it says love does not insist on its own way. Right? It's that idea of like, I'm not going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Even if it's good stuff. Like the love of God is good stuff. Shouldn't be steamrolling people with it, right? But just at that time, I, I, uh, you know, I was so impressed by it. But what love calls us to do is to consider what would be helpful for other people to hear. What do other people need right now? When we try to dump everything we know on someone all at once, that's not very helpful. That's overwhelming. That's overwhelming. Love requires us to focus on what someone needs to hear in the moment. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and consider what does somebody need to hear right now? It's like, you guys remember that line from a few good men, um, you know, you can't handle the truth. Sort of like we can't handle the whole truth about God all at once, right? And if you try to pour that on somebody, there might be a little bit of resistance there, right? But there's part of us, we just can't handle it all at once. And we, so we get it. God reveals himself to us in bits at a time. That's why it took the Bible, that's why it took 1,600 years for the Bible to be written. God revealed himself a bit at a time, a book at a time. And so we get to spend a lifetime of learning and growing into that. But it's kind of like this. Like, I'm not very good at fixing things, if you didn't know. I'm not very good. But I had a situation recently where the drain pump on my washer went out, and I had a choice to make. I could spend $300 having somebody else do it, or I could buy a part on Amazon for $30 and do it myself. And so, of course, you do it yourself. And I had a YouTube video, which is what you need. All you need is, is the part in the YouTube video. For those of you who are handy, you could have probably done this project in two hours. It took me 10 hours to do this project. And what I did is I watched the YouTube video in 15-second increments. I watched the hand. OK, what did you do with his hand right there? You know, I was just like so specific. And like I did it over and over and over again because I'm not very good at fixing things. And I'll tell you what, if I watched that YouTube video from beginning to end at the beginning, I would have quit right away, (laughs) right? Because I couldn't handle it all. I couldn't handle the truth. But um, I just, I took it at 15 seconds at a time. And when I got done and it was dark out and my kids were in bed, (laughs) I like celebrated, yeah! And it's still working, amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, But if I would have had the whole page at the beginning, I would have been completely overwhelmed. Like my brain just doesn't work that way. So we had to take it step by step. And that's like us receiving the knowledge of God, right? And that's why there's wisdom in us not overwhelming people, but just giving them what they need to hear a little bit by little bit being sensitive to where they're at. We, we need to journey with people into faith, not crush them, right? Like, here's where I'm at, here's where you're at, here's where you're at, you don't measure up. That crushes people, right? Just bit by bit. The next proverb is Proverbs 13, 16. It says, all who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. So here's the connection there's this connection here between, or there's a comparison here to act, to act prudently 
and act foolishly. So this is the dichotomy, and the difference is acting with knowledge. Getting knowledge before you act. Sometimes we react without knowledge, but prudence would call us to act with knowledge. Not, it's like what we talked about in wisdom. One of the first things we said and on why we even study wisdom is because we need to agree that we don't know what we don't know. And if th this, I think, is talking more relationally, when you enter into a situation where someone's hurt, you don't know what you don't know. When you enter into a conflict between two people, you don't know what you don't know. Some of you maybe have tried to mediate conflict before, right? You've tried to help. You maybe you have two friends in a disagreement. And you, what you need to do is listen to both sides, right? Sometimes people can say something about someone else, and maybe we just want to be a good friend, and we, we just affirm what they say instead of, hey, maybe I'll go chat with that person, or maybe we should go talk to that person. Proverbs 18, 17 says, In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. We have this propensity to react to the first argument we hear. That's got to be it. That's got to be the truth about this situation. What we don't often do in relationships is cross-examine. Well, let me check in. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe we're misreading this situation wrong. See, we have this propensity to prejudge. Instead of talking to a person, we might do that on all sorts of different reasons. Um, some of it might do, have to do with, with like someone's profession. I know for me, uh, I g always get a little anxious uh, when I have to tell people what I do for a living if I don't know them well. You know, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor. That usually changes the tone of the conversation for a lot of people because people have all these different thoughts and ideas of what a pastor is and does. I still love Rick McKinley's line. He used to tell people he was a soul architect. And I think, I think that's brilliant. I, you know, I don't do that. Um, but it's that idea of like, well, if I tell people I'm a pastor, all these different connotations are going to come to the, the surface for this person. And uh, one of the best compliments I had was somebody told me recently, hey, thanks for showing me that Christians are normal. I appreciate that. Like, that's a great compliment. I like that. Um, all that to say, just an example, but we can, we can prejudge where someone's coming from or their understanding of a situation before we actually talk to that person. So coming back to conflict, you can, it's possible to support a friend without owning their anger or their issue. It's possible. You can support a friend and, and if you want to mediate, you have to do this. You can support a friend without owning their cause right away, or owning their anger, owning their issue. So how do we act with knowledge? We listen, we listen. We're patient. And if we come into something that is above our heads, Proverbs talks a lot about taking counsel from other people. Taking counsel. I think there's something, I don't know if it's just a human thing or my thing, but sometimes I think I have this default where, well, if I run into something, I can figure it out. You know, I'm good. Like, if I run into a situation that's too hard, you know, the counsel of others is a bonus, but I got this, and I'm, I'm all right. 
As I've kind of grown in my faith, I realize more and more how much input I actually need to make good decisions, right? How, mi- how much input I actually need to, to thrive as a, as a Christian. I realize I need wisdom. I need to read new books. Um, I value education. So we need to use our time to get knowledge, whether that comes from counsel, counsel from a trusted friend, whether that comes from studying scripture, wisdom, seeking counsel. Don't be above seeking counsel. Don't be above um, reading scripture. You need it more than you think you need it, is the idea of wisdom. Like, you need it more than you think. And, and this idea of fools expose their folly. Fools, you know, it's like the, the Elvis song, right? Fools rush in. It's kind of that idea, right? Um, so here's the last proverb on being prudent that we'll look at. This is Proverbs 14.8. It says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So again, we see the character of being prudent versus the character of foolishness. And the idea is uh, being prudent, again, is being thoughtful. If you want to break it all down, sensible, crafty, all that, it, it really is being thoughtful and intentional about the choices you make, both in the, in the little parts of life and the big picture. Like, what are we doing with our lives? How are we spending our time, our money, our energy? Because what we realize is we, on our own, we don't have good defaults. Usually, we don't have good defaults. And uh, sometimes we try to get really, fo- we get really focused on one area of our life, work, family. It's really hard to find that word called balance, right? It's really hard to live a balanced life. For, and then we have all sorts of other hobbies, interests, activities that at different times can, like, grab our attention. And we can just pour into those things. When I first moved to Whatcom County, I was really obsessed with fishing and hiking. And it was like any spare minutes. I was just begging Bonnie, hey, can I go hike today? Can I go fish today? And uh, it kind of it wore on my young family. And, uh, and there's been times where I've been too focused on that. I've been too focused and, and neglected co- core relationships in my life. I've also had seasons where I've been way too stressed out and focused on work. Right? I had to figure out how can I just unplug from this? Because I'm bringing it home, uh, I'm in a bad mood, you know, how can I unplug from this so I can be present with my family and kids? Maybe even though work is so stressful, I need to give a little less so I can give more at home and then just see what happens. <laughs> but it's that, that you know, we, we need to, to save our energy so that we can focus and invest in those core relationships in our life. So this call to be prudent is a call not to not serve, not to ignore, but to be picky about where we serve, who we serve, how we serve, and to really, like, focus and do well in the core relationships of our lives. Take stock of our life. Are we using our time well, our money well, our energy well? Because I want to be really clear, the, 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 the reason your life matters is because of relationships. Like, it's all about relationships. First of all, your relationship with God. Your relationship with God defines who you are, your number one priority. And then the the key people that God has put in your life have given you some level of responsibility. Your family, your spouse, your kids, your friendships. Friendships 
Um, today, we talked about friendship a, a few weeks ago and, and just how we almost have a culture of dispensable friendships here. And like the, the biblical model of friendship is the opposite of that. Like friends covenant together. Like, hey, I'm here for you. I won't let you down. And so that's, that's another core relationship. But that's why our life matters. Our neighbors, God calls us to our neighbors. God calls us to our coworkers to build relationships that would serve as a bridge to relationship with God for those people. And so that's the best thing you have going. And so this call to being prudent is not to be all about you and, and hey, can I have the, you know, can I have the very best out of life and can I be wealthy? That's not the call at all. It's how can I be the biggest blessing I can uh, to my, my family, my friends, my neighbors, and my community. And it does come down to this idea of being present. How present are we in the, in, with the people in our lives? I have a problem called distracted listening. I'm just going to say that. Maybe some other guys can relate. It's like distracted driving. And uh, it's about as dangerous as distracted driving. But there'll be times where um, I'll be talking to Bonnie and my head will be half there. Any other guys do this, or am I on a, out on an island here? Brent, thanks. Brian, thanks. Um, where I'll be like, you know, oh, man, I had the hardest day. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, that's just the, hey, there's a disconnect here. Can you clue in? Can you listen? And it's, like I said, it's about as dangerous as distracted driving, right? You don't want to be doing that. But the idea is being 100% present, being focused, being able to listen, and not just, like, receive information but ask like it guys like ask your spouse how they're doing every day you know ask your spouse clue in so it's this idea of of saving your time to be thoughtful intentional and careful now as i did this message prep this message on being prudent this was my one fear is a message like this i was afraid is this going to be boring <laughs> I didn't want it to sound like an insurance seminar, like, you know, like, hey, let's be prudent, and this is how we do this, and, you know, I, I, I got the, the song that popped into my head as I was prepping this message was Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis in the News, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want that to be the message. I'm not calling you to be boring, you know, that's not the call of being prudent. The call of being prudent is a call to focus. Focus on what God's given you, Focus on the life that God has given you, and really, so you can focus on the purpose that God has given you. It, it, being prudent does not call you out of risk, because Jesus doesn't call us out of risk. Jesus calls us to risk everything for him. So this is not a call to be boring. My point today is this. Jesus wants your work and your words to matter. That's what we're talking about. That's the truth. Jesus wants your life to count and none of it to be wasted. We only have a finite amount of time on this earth, and Jesus doesn't want you to waste any of it. He wants your life to count, and he doesn't call you away from risk. He calls you to taking thoughtful risk, thoughtful risk. And as we close today, I want to look at how Jesus talked to his disciples about what this looks like as they enter into mission, as he sends them out two by two um, with, the, with the power of God and not a lot else. And he says, go for it. 
but he gives them instructions that, that put this idea of being prudent in a very spiritual sense, in a sense that we need to grab onto, because Jesus didn't send them away from danger. He sent them right into danger, but look at how he instructs his disciples. This is a lengthy passage. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing. This is uh, Matthew 10, verse 5, and we're going to read to verse 20, and this is Jesus prepping his disciples to go out into the world. He says, this is what it says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. So the first thing you hear, focus. Focus. These are the people I want you to focus on. It's not that Jesus didn't love the Samaritans. I mean, we have evidence that he reached out to the Samaritans, but he's saying, focus on these people. He says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what I mean by the power of God. Like, uh, did anybody just, like, skim over raise the dead? Like, when I read that, I skim over sometimes, raise the dead, next thing. It's like, raise the dead? Whoa, you know? Like, that's a lot of power. It says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Basically saying you're going to rely on the generosity of others. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Not just any person, a worthy person, a person who wants you there. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. He's not saying we don't love that town. He's saying don't waste time. Like if, 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 if they're not responding, just move on. We, there's a lot of people out there who need to hear this message. Truly, and, and then he says this, he says, Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. He's saying there's something else going on with these people. There's a reason why they're not being receptive. He says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's a fun image for a Christian, right? You're going to be like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking to you. So I just want you to notice this is not boring. Right? I, think that's, I think we can say that unequivocally. This mission that Jesus sends his disciples on is not boring. It's intense. It might be the most intense thing. If we actually, like, this, this would be the most intense thing you would have ever experienced in your life. Raising the dead, again. Uh, cleansing those who have leprosy. Driving out demons. Like, this is the power of God that he wants to, to pour through our lives. Through the, through the Spirit. And this is Jesus telling his disciples how to stay on the mission that he's given them. Because there's a lot of ways it can go sideways. 
There's a lot of ways like the mission that we're on and like our life with Christ can go sideways and they can seem subtle. But he's saying you're going to need to have some boundaries in order to stay on the mission that I have you on. So if someone's not receptive, um, go another way. And now that's not a prescriptive thing for us, right? So that doesn't mean like you have one conversation with someone about God that maybe a coworker and they, they, uh, it, it's not very favorable. doesn't mean you never talk to that person again. You know, it doesn't mean you just wipe the dust from your feet. Um, but it does mean, hey, you know, there are people that God is at work in, that God has called you to, to, uh, to disciple, um, to, to help grow, to teach, to be a friend to. Focus on the fruit. That's really what this call is to. Focus on the fruit. And, and he says this, is like, we're on this incredible mission. We have all the resources of the power of God at our disposal. But the truth is, not everybody is going to want to hear what we have to say. And not everybody is going to want to receive what you have to say. And you may get thrown in prison, right? But don't worry, I'm with you. And just stick to what I've called you to do. Proclaim the kingdom of God. He gave them one line. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. And then, heal, then, hey, how do we know it's here? Because guess what? You're healing the sick and raising the dead. Like, that's some good evidence right there. That's the tremendous power of God we have in, in the Spirit. And God wants us to stay on the mission he's called us to. God wants to protect us from, from going off track. And God also wants us to not only stay but survive. I think there's a reason why he calls them to stay with worthy people meaning people that actually love them. He's not calling them out to just get, like, beaten and bruised by the world. He's calling them to go, and in the strength of community, in the strength of the hospitality of the church, like, hey, we're going to wrap our arms around you. You're not on your own. In fact, that's why Jesus sent him out two on two. This is not a solo mission. Uh, this is a mission done with others. And then there's this one line you know, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. I, I got to tell you, sometimes, sometimes being a Christian feels like being a sheep among wolves. You know, like sh talking about Jesus to some people, it feels like that. Like, what are they going to say? You know, how are people going to respond? And, and there's this call to be shrewd, meaning like be... be uh, be picky, be thoughtful about how you engage, you know, and then be as innocent as doves. Like, don't, don't dive into the darkness, you know. Just stay on this path that I have you on. And so, in some sense, to be shrewd is, is to be focused, right? To be picky about, like, okay, God, this is the work you've called me to. You know, you've received some spiritual gifts. You haven't received all spiritual gifts. This, this is the beauty of the church, you have something to offer. You have something to offer. God's given something you that's different than what he's given me. And this is freedom to focus on, on what God's given you. Who God has put in your life. You don't have to do it all for God. Right? That's the freedom of this. You don't have to do it all for God. You have to do what God's called you to do. But you don't have to do it all. So this is the, the freedom of focus. Focus on the fruit. And, and so that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you will have been faithful to what God's given you, 
and you have been able to see fruit from that. And that's the, that's the beauty of this. So um, let's pray. Let's pray as we close. Lord, I thank you for your gift of, of wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, not just through words, not just through ideas, God, but through your spirit, that you would help us to live a, a focused life. God, an intentional life. Lord, where we get to see fruit. Um, God, where we spend each day wisely, where we think about the, the relationships we invest in, we think about how much energy we spend on different things so that we can be fruitful, so that we can be engaged in the work that you've called us to be engaged in. And there are going to be times where we're tired, where we're exhausted, where we don't know what to say. And, and the, the beautiful thing about your grace is you meet us in those points. You meet us in those points where we don't have enough, and you are enough. Lord, there's situations we are called to where we don't know what to say, and guess who knows what to say? You do. Through the Holy Spirit, you give us the words to say, because you're good. Lord, all of this is for our good. So I pray that you'd help us to receive that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close this morning, we're going to invite you to come forward for communion. And the way we typically do communion here is, is uh, Brian's going to uh, play a song. It's, it's just more of a time to be reflective and quiet before God. Um, but we're going to go ahead and grab, when you're ready, you can grab the, uh, the juice and the bread. Also in this, um, in this can here, there's ones that are gluten-free. Uh, so you can grab that if, if you want a gluten-free um, option, But what I'm going to call you to today is this idea of, of focus. Uh, what communion is, it's an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us. We don't take anything to communion, we only receive. We receive the body and blood of Christ, we receive his grace. It's this intimate picture of grace, receiving the body of Christ, receiving the blood of Christ. And so all that it, it calls us to do is to reflect on that. And maybe this morning you just need to ask God, God, am I living a life worthy of what you've given me? And are you calling me to focus in areas where I'm distracted? God, are you calling me to give things up that aren't healthy for me? And so this, this uh, act of communion, it's an act of faith. It's an act for uh, believers. So I would invite you um, if you consider yourself a believer, to come forward and, and grab that when you feel ready. Brian's going to lead us in a song, and then we'll all take communion together.